I'd love to just, um, the word I felt for us this afternoon was an anchor. Um, I've got a skipper's license, which means I can drive a boat, but not, a, not anything fancy, like a little speedboat. You guys came camping with us, and they, I just suddenly remembered that experience. Uh, we put the boat in the water, and the st- steering had seas, but we didn't know it, and we just went around in circles. And um, so boating is an interesting experience. But um, we bought this boat many years ago when our children were small. I've got three sons, and the boat's name was Splurge. And normally when I mention the word splurge in our family, everyone starts twitching and having flashbacks and, you know, phoning trauma counselors and things like that. Because um, this boat was a disaster. Um, my friend and I bought it. It was extremely cheap. We found out why. Um, it was everything, was, you name it, it could go wrong, went wrong with this boat. I mean, the engine exploded and caught a light. Um, the whole back fell off with the engine in the water. Um, we first... Eh? You know, it had like chairs like this in it when we first got it. And, we realized, we didn't, and so we hit the power, and next thing, we're sitting at the back of the boat, and the boat's taking off, and the steering wheel's up there somewhere. But the, Jenny named it Fraser's Folly. Um, but this boat, you know, boating, you learn all about anchors, and you've got all the different types of anchors. And, uh, that's the, but in those days, we never had to have skippers last time. I don't think we had an anchor. And I remember taking this little boat across the, across the shore with all the children in it. And on the dams in KwaZulu-Natal, the wind can come up suddenly. And in a little boat, the waves can be quite big. I mean, guys like Nicky Carsons would laugh at the waves that, that terrified us there. But um, they were only about like a meter, two meters, you know. But in a little boat, you low down, and you've got a boat full of kids, and it's, it's not the best boat. I mean, I was putting along, and suddenly the storm came up. And... Um, it sort of, the wind was blowing incredibly. I didn't have an anchor to hold us. I just keep going. I was down to one cylinder. The kids were crying. I end up in the reeds and the props tangled in the reeds. And it was, you know, like, and you realize how the winds of life can come and just blow. And you find that you don't have that anchor to hold you in a secure place. And you get into a place of terror and of, of, of uh, being frightened. And you're out of control. That This wind is just driving you. And many times in our situations in our lives, we find that there are winds that come and blow through, like Jesus' experience. Uh, we wish Jesus came walking across the water at that moment, but he didn't. Um, you know, when the guys were in the boats and Jesus came walking on the water, and he, you know, he, there were times when he was in the boat and he calmed the storm. And the storms of life will come. These things are inevitable. These things will happen. And we want to read from Romans um, chapter 4, verse 18. Well, I think I might have put 16. I can't remember which verse I gave you to start off with. Um, I was going to read a, a, quite a section of Scripture if I, if I can. Let me just get my Bible. Thanks. Um, Let's take a look at Romans 4 verse, um, this is from verse 16, if you can. So Clayton is running the AV there. Uh, did we get from 16? Ah, oh, you're good. There, wonderful. It's from the NRV. Oh, sorry, I grew up with the NRV for 42 years, and I've been listening, reading the NRV, the old version. Uh, Therefore, the promise comes by faith. And it's, it's talking about Abraham and Abraham's whole situation, how he had incredible faith, and we... We call him, refer to him as Father Abraham because he believed God. And when God said that from, your, from you will come many nations, and we're part of that inheritance of Abraham's faith and what he stood for and what he believed in. And when things were, appeared to be dead, 
he found life. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, the promise of salvation, of life, um, so that, that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, and that's us, not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, that's us. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And when I was praying this afternoon for you guys, I really felt that God wants to call back some life into some people this afternoon. There's like a rebirthing and a re-firing and a re-igniting of some of you who've actually lost sight of where you're going. And the winds have blown you and you didn't have an anchor for your soul. We're going to read that scripture in Hebrews where it speaks about having an anchor for your soul. Your mind, your world, your emotions. This is our soul. We are, we are spirit beings with emotions, with a soul. And, uh, and we have a physical body for this life. And we'll get a beautiful body in the next life, in the eternity. As the world is created and we're all raised with Jesus and get a body just like his. Imperishable. But there's storms that come. There's things that happen in our lives. And we're not always anchored. And we get blown off course. And we lose sight of what God has called us into. And I really believe God wants to awaken things as a congregation, not in individual lives. Because we can only go forward as we go forward corporately. If one or two or three or ten or fifty or whoever knows how many are struggling and aren't able to fully bring and operate in, in what God's called them to be, then we will not achieve collectively what God's called us to be. You know, Western Christian is so individualistic thinking, and it's all about me and my life and what's God's plan for me, but God's got a plan for us. He looks even across Josh Jan, he looks at the church worldwide. We are part of the church worldwide, the born-again church. And all of us, we can only, nobody can control you. Nobody can force you to do anything. It's by your will alone. You say, Lord, I recognize that I've lost something of the fire that you started and put in me. There's something that's died. I've lost... I got blown around by the storms and the cares of this world. COVID came along, work situations, children's situations. There's going to be so many things that you're going to have to deal with in this life. Life, Jesus warned us in, in John, is tough. He said, in this life you'll have many hardships, but take heart. I have overcome this world. Now, some people would misinterpret and say, well, we should dominate this world and dominate the lions. And I don't know about you, we went to Atosha and we didn't feel like dominating any wild animals. Um, in fact, even the mosquitoes dominated us. And uh, mosquitoes, 100 phrases, no. That was the score. But, you know, there's going to be many challenges in this life that you're going to have to go through. Many situations that you're going to have to wrestle through and keep on track in what God has called you to, to be. And where he's called you to walk in. Because God will always achieve the end goal. The book of Revelation talks about the end times and what God's going to, what's going to happen. And even in Thessalonians, it speaks about Jesus' second coming and Jesus coming back for his bride. And she's got to prepare herself and get herself ready. And he's also getting it ready. Jesus is working and his bride, even as we are working. This right now is work. In John, I always forget exactly which one. It's John 7, I think it is, where Jesus said, the Father is working and even I am working. And he was preaching and ministering. So ministry, this is actually beautiful work that God is doing because God, we're his workmanship. We're his building that he's getting ready for that day to present. And we've got a responsibility, even as leaders, 
Jacques and Jeanette are going to find out Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Please remember that scripture because um, it's something that I drilled into Durbanville and I led it for 10 years and handed over fairly recently last year. And uh, they knew we've got to present you to God one day. That's our role. We're not between you and God. Okay, we're all priests in the kingdom. We've all got direct relationship with God. And in fact, there's a beautiful scripture I want to read and hopefully get to it in Hebrews. We said we can go into the sanctuary, even now where Jesus is. Right now we can go through the curtain to Jesus. It's amazing. The relationship, we'll see you right now in heavenly places. Your journey, if you're born again tonight sitting here, your journey in eternity has begun. It's not going to only happen when you die physically and then suddenly there's this big change. Your journey has begun. You're already linked up and connected to eternity. You're connected to Jesus, the first of many. He's gone ahead of us and he's preparing. He said, I'm preparing a room for you. I'm preparing a place for you. He talks about us ruling and reigning in the next life. Have you considered that? That's the reality. This is temporary. This is just like a, you know, like a little bit like you boil a kettle and a bit of steam, the Bible says. That little steam just gone in five seconds. This life is so, so short. And as the Western type Christians, which I would probably categorize us as because of our lifestyle and our cultural groups that we live in, we get so caught up in this world, in the business and, you know, do you realize I've got to be at work tomorrow morning, Monday, and if some of you might be sitting, because I used to do this as a Christian, my mind really start going to tomorrow at work. I've got to go into this situation, I've got this thing to sort out, I've got that to, but it just robs you and it steals and it chokes. The Bible talks about it choking the life of God out of you. I've been a Christian now for 42 years, and Jenny even longer, 45 years. And the one thing that I'm passionate about is to see God's people go all the way to the end well. Not just oh, scraping and I hope I make it and limping in. There's an the element of going in, you know, duct tape all over you and wire and of holding. But, but you should be going in stronger, not collapsing. You should be going in still powering in the Lord, no matter what the situation Let's carry on reading in, in, in Romans. I really felt to read a good portion of the word tonight. How far did I get? Um, yes, uh, verse 17. I think I got part of the way through that. He is our Father, the sight of God, in whom we, He believed. The God who, who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Before you gave your life to Jesus... He knew about you. He called your life that it would be, even though it was not. He really, it's really it was his expectation that you would come into the kingdom. When you're still lost in the world and doing things in the world and didn't understand God and didn't understand salvation, God has already prepared things for you. There's already an expectation that you were coming. He was calling things into being. Life. Against all hope, verse 18. Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as, as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakness in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. That's pretty old. And that, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Isn't that amazing, that whole section that uh, he didn't waver in unbelief? And, and one of the things that the devil will come is, is cause you to doubt your belief in God. Maybe not so much your salvation, and uh, I'm convinced I'm saved, but just the calling on your life that there's more. 
You see, once, once from salvation, God has prepared works for us, it tells us in Ephesians. God has prepared things, and so many people just want to get into heaven. Here's my ticket. I got it. I gave my life to Jesus, and I made it, you know. But not achieve what God has called us to walk in. There's a power that we have in the spirit which the enemy is scared of. He's terrified of what you've got inside of you. Because you've got the very life of God in you. God dwells in you. He lives in you if you're a born-again Christian. You were regenerated. Your, your spirit is alive. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh that we, as His people, we should be taking ground in the spirit. We should be taking ground in the soul, in the, in the flesh. We should be those who overcome and defeat the enemy in our own personal lives. But you've got to understand, and through belief in your own mind first, if you don't win the battle here, the battleground of this mind, you'll never walk in the things of God. But God is cheering you on. He's for you. He's, he's, he'll test you, because he, and He'll be cheering you that you'll pass the test. He'll allow you to go through temptation, to be knocked around sometimes, knocked on the ground. I remember when I was in my own business, you'd be lying on the floor. You think it can't get any worse than this, and it did. You know, somebody come put the boot in, you know, oh, you know, and you think, no, it can't get worse than this, and then there's a second boot, you know, and you just think, is there no end to how worse this thing can get? But God always turns it around, and it comes through at first through your attitude and your mindset and your changing of your attitude and saying, Lord, I serve a powerful God. And to start counterattacking in the, in the, with your mouth, because Jesus fought with, this, with the word. And what does God say? I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. This sounds very sort of what you call it, um, prosperity message or whatever, but, and I've been through all that teaching. But I'm serious. We've, neglect, we've overreacted sometimes to the faith movement. Oh, we were in a church right in the early years that got radically caught up in the whole faith prosperity message. And sometimes I look, and I think we overreacted against that message. It was a, rest, a restoration of truth, and, but it got, it got distorted and twisted. Just like in the 90s, we had the whole pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And, and we, you know, eventually it got a little bit out of shape. But we saw demons manifesting meeting after meeting after meeting. People getting set free. Yes, there was the freaky stuff. And you know, for conservatives like me, it's like, whoa, you know, chickens and dogs barking and all these things. And you, know, you don't, can't get your mind around it. This is God. You know? Would God do something like this? And and trying to search the scriptures for, to validate what's, what, what we're seeing. But then so, again, we, because there's an overreaction and because there's the weird side, we then sometimes throw the whole lot out. But we forget. And then we, often then we become just good wineskin Christians. We know how to work within the wineskins, the good leadership. We, I think probably we're strong in the area of understanding of leadership, of fellowship, um, we're a highly pastoral model type church. We have a, I mean, a lot of churches we go into. There's one pastor for, 10, for like a thousand people. And it's got ministries. And with, it, with the model that we're trying to build, and I hope it's reflected in this congregation. If it's not fully reflected, then we need, we've got some work to do. And that you should all be known by name. That we should be journeying together and doing life together. We went around Namibia now. I remember us forever saying to people, we're trying to explain what we're about. We do life together, you know. And you know, you know when it's, you're doing life together when it comes down to money and children. Two areas that people are very prickly about. You can talk about anything, but don't talk about money and my children. Because then people manifest. They do. That's, that's the, the prickly area, you know. What's my money got to do with you? Well, everything. Because if you're struggling, we've got to then take money from that guy, that guy, that guy to come bring it to you to help you. Because you made a bad decision. If you just... 
brought us into your journey, not because we're nosy, we've got, our, you know, we've got our own lives to lead, but we're here to help you. We're here to do life together. We've, I'm digressing. Very unusual. <laughs> the power of God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God. Don't you forget it. The enemy would want you to forget it. He'd want you to believe, I can't get victory in my marriage. I can't get victory in business. I can't get victory in, in getting, keeping employment. Uh, my temper, my, my, my attitude. And you get stuck sometimes in a particular sin, an addiction, or whatever it could be. And the devil just yeah, oh, that's who you are. That's, sorry, that's, and they'll give you some, maybe a medical term for it. And it's, that's great. I mean, wonderful what medical science can do today. But don't forget the power of God. Don't forget the power of God. We're a generation that sometimes says, oh, but all I can do now is pray. But no, we should have done prayer at the beginning. We should be fighting and contending, no matter what. And we won't always win every, every battle. Not everyone. But we still fight. Often I marvel at our faith. I've got to be honest. I marvel at Christians because we often pray and people still get sick and they still die. But we if we don't, but we do pray and we do see miracles. I remember once as a church, we did a, a bit of a summary of all what God had done in terms of miraculous. And it was amazing when you pulled it all together, you made a list of how much the Lord was working. Because often we lose sight of what God is doing. We serve a powerful God. Don't forget it. Be like Abraham. And he's understanding. Don't be, he was fully persuaded. We've got to be a people who are fully persuaded that God can do what he has promised. What has God promised over your life? Well, the basics is that you, He's promised you what I spoke about earlier, the salvation that you've been given, the gift of life, that, the, that your spirit is made alive, that you're alive in God. If, if that's, that, that's, that's like the best you can, that's it. That's like the best reward and the most amazing prize that you could ever wish for. And again, we've got to be so careful that we don't diminish that. Like salvation, yeah, it's, it's over there. Salvation. Keep revisiting your salvation. Keep thanking God for your salvation. Being grateful for your salvation. Lord, I'm amazed that you saved me. And after, you know, after years, I suddenly, you can get to a place where you forget that you were a sinner. You know, actually, you start saying, but uh, maybe I wasn't that bad. You know, I, I used to get drunk and swear and all the rest, like every, maybe not everybody. Jenny didn't do that stuff, but... Uh, you know, you forget where you came from, but that wasn't the main sin, the drinking and the swearing and all the other stuff. The main sin was that God was not Lord of my life, that I was Lord. I decided what will happen for Russell. I'll decide where I'll work and what I'll do and how I'll spend my money. That's why I'm saying you know God is really Lord of your life when he can touch your finance. That's a good example. And we never preach financial teachings to get money out of you. Never. That's not our objective. Our objective when we preach about finance is for you, for your benefit. We don't ask how many, we don't ask who tithes. We don't, that's up between you and God. We're just going to teach you God's truth about giving and being generous because God loves a cheerful, generous giver. But one day when you stand before God, we want to know we've taught you the whole will of God. And Jesus always spoke about money, always touched on money because he knew that, how much power that contains. You know, you cannot serve God or mammon. He said, make a decision between me and money. Which is it going to be? And so... Where's our hearts? Does God have our hearts? This is why it was... I'm, I'm in verse 22. I don't know where you guys are. Um, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness, that he believed God, fully persuaded what God was able to do. 
the words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. That's us. Whom God would credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Wow, man. Hey, Jesus rose from the dead. We were at the, remember we were there two, three, two years ago. We were right in the, where they suspect and believe that that's where Jesus' tomb was. We went inside the tomb. You, we're, you're in awe when you go to those places. But he was raised from the dead. He's, he's now alive. He's broken the power of death and the sting of, of death. And he's alive at the right hand of the Father. And we are now, because we're in him, we're seated there as well in the Spirit. You're justified. That's one thing I really want to emphasize this afternoon. Do you know who you are? You are justified when Jesus looks at you, because it does talk about, the, you know, consider the kindness and sternness of God, wrath to those who don't believe. There is an anger of God which is holy. Our anger is unholy, okay? There are times maybe we'll express a, a holy anger and a, against sin and against things that are not godly, but God's anger is righteous, and there's going to be a judgment and a wrath that's going to come upon those who don't believe and who would who rejected the Son of God. But for those who receive salvation, the free gift of life, you are justified. You are. You're sitting in a justified position right now. You are cloaked in righteousness and right standing with God. Jesus said, I came that you might know the Father. He came to reconcile us. We were far away from God. Every single person on this planet is born out of relationship with God. I know there's a very big prominent religion who believe that you're all born, everyone's born perfect and move away from uh, being perfection if they don't follow certain rituals and rules. But, the, but we, there's only, from a Christian understanding, there's only two types of people on this planet. Those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior and those who don't either through ignorance or just rejection or whatever. But you're on a place where when God looks at you, you are righteous. His blood covers your sins. And therefore, you can have relationship with Him. You can't have relationship with Him otherwise. And you can't be part of His family otherwise. So there's a therefore in Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into His grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that, the suffering, that suffering produces perseverance. How many of you are of, will persevere through everything that comes your way? Because you can make a decision now that you will. Because God is for you. You may think, but oh, I can make that decision now, but what if I fail? What if I don't make it? You've got to know that you can make it. If you don't, then you've got no chance. You've got to believe and understand that God will bring you through every situation that you're going to face on this earth. Nothing that will come your way in this life will be able to prize you away from, from the Lord Jesus. You've got to stay and abide in Him. You've got to remain in Him. I've seen people walk away from God too often over the years. Too often I've seen people walk away from God. And get, when they come to a, a, a trial or a tribulation, a testing time or whatever, and they, they just say, Lord, I just can't do this. And the devil lies to them that God's not going to be there for them. And they, they give up at that point because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for a people of character. And so wonderful to actually see even here tonight those who have pushed through, those who are persevering, those who've gone through tests and trials and are still standing firm 
in the Lord Jesus. And character, hope. Almost like four, a four-stage process there. Testing, perseverance, character, hope. And almost like you get to the place of hope where you understand that God is so faithful, that God will bring you through, and, you, and you've got to make decisions that, Lord, I won't let go. Where do I go to, Lord? I'm going to fight my way through this. There's going to be many situations where you're going to want to leave this church. It's going to happen because the enemy works in divisiveness. He likes to divide us all the time. You're going to have reason to be offended and want to leave this church. You need to be convinced in whatever part of the body of Christ that God has put you, that this is where God has put you. I've only been in two churches in, two, in 40-something years, Jenny and I, one in Durban, one in Cape Town. We've had every reason to want to leave in both churches and get upset and be offended because and, and, that's life. You're going to have conflict. We see it in the Bible. The letters were all written. The epistles were all written because of problems and situations that to deal with. The book of Revelation to the seven churches, there were problems. You are going to experience issues and problems, but will you make a decision to push through in the Lord Jesus? Hope. Hope is a powerful thing. And hope, the, the Bible talks about, not just, uh, yeah, I hope I get that job or I hope I can get a, you know, an increase or whatever. This is a solid hope. It's something we can drop our anchor on and hook it on and it'll keep our boat steady and facing the right direction. It's interesting that a boat, when it's in the, in the wind, will always turn and face because the anchor normally comes off the front of the boat. So if it's blowing, the wind is blowing, you'll turn and face it. And that's your best uh, part of the boat to actually withstand any waves that will come your way. So make sure that you're dropping your anchor of your soul on the one who's solid and who's unchanging and who's reliable and who's there and is for you and wants to bring you through. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I've taken longer than I expected on that. Um, But I'm hoping that certain aspects have been coming through during this time. As the word's coming through. The word of God is powerful, eh? It should be penetrating your spirits and your souls even now. It should be hitting in home. And don't reject what God is putting on, on you and saying to you right now. Because it's for your health and your benefit that the word of God is brought out like this. To bring you into a place of health and and strength. Because we want to see you guys go all the way to the end. We want to see us being in unity, marching forward together as one in the name of our Lord Jesus. Recognizing the enemy is going to attack. Recognizing, identifying his attacks. Identifying what is the devil and what isn't. Because God is for you, not against you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's an enemy who trembles at the name of Jesus. He trembles at that name. And in our ministry, we see so many Christians who just lost sight of the fact of who they are and their position in Christ Jesus. They just lost sight of that, and they just think this is them. It's just me. I've got this problem, this psychological problem that you may have. But God is able to overcome everything. We've seen uh, Falkenberg, which is like um, a place that deals with, you've got to keep up with all the modern terminology now, um, with mental issues, I suppose you could say. Remember, we've, we've prayed for a lady who the and we never tell people to come off their medication. But we've seen a lady uh, come off. We prayed for her, and the psychiatrist took off all medication. I couldn't believe the change in her. One of the guys who was prayed in as an elder last night, um, this is a public, he's testified of it at, uh, publicly in church, in our congregations. He killed his grandmother in a psychotic state before he got born again. Um, she approached him from behind, he turned around and strangled her. 
And he was put in Falkenberg for two years. And he's now married, uh, children. He's been in our church for, since, since the day he was birthed as a church. And, um, and God is on an absolute restoration in this man's life. He was on lithium, which is one of the most heavy drugs you could be on to calm you down. We prayed for him to be free of that. He was set free totally. He has been on lithium for more than 10 years. So our God is a miracle-working God, you know. So we're not... We're called to advance the kingdom of God. That's not just plant more churches necessarily. That's a great thing. But the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. Are you advancing the kingdom within you? And now to, tonight, I really believe God wants to bring us into a new place of freedom. I really believe that. I was praying for this afternoon. I said, Lord, I just visualized you as a group of people. I said, Lord, I want to see people come into freedom tonight. And, and some of the things that's in your mind, you've just accepted and you've just settled. This is who I am. This is the way it is. And no, the Lord says, rise up. Rise up. You don't, we're not called to be violent as the world understands violence. But the Bible says that the violent take the kingdom of God by storm. Violent in the spirit. We've got a merciless enemy, a terrible enemy. He's the one who's caused all this problem. Why are we in this mess in the first place? He tempted old Adam. And he's continuing his destructive ways amongst the world still and even amongst the church. If he can get you to be useless in the body of Christ and not going anywhere because of just being caught up in captivity in your mind and your heart, he can tick you off as your non-threatening person. You just go to church on Sunday, that's fine, he's happy with that. Even go to a community, be part of a community, but don't step, stick your neck out. I hope the word useless wasn't misunderstood there. Oh, I really wanted to get to more scripture in Hebrews. Um, let me see if there's anything I can just touch on that before we land finish. Uh, yeah, can I just read some of it, please? I know it's been a bit long and I know it's hot, etc., etc. Did I ever get any what I did? Thank you. Someone brought it. Yeah. But turn it, just, if you, I gave you Hebrews, eh? Hebrews 6. Uh, I'm just going to read a few verses and we'll finish. From verse 9. This is, this is like, why well, I want to read this because it really brings in the last finish. Um, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. Things that accompany salvation. Things that go with salvation. Wonderful. I would assume most of us here will be born again. There may be some tonight who've come who are not born again. And God will want to give you opportunity even for you to surrender your life to Jesus and know that you are a sinner you need salvation and you need to give your life to Jesus. So worth it. The best thing that's ever happened to those of us who know our Lord Jesus. And it's incredible just knowing him and walking with him. We're confident of better things in your case that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. God has made promises over us as a people. 
We've got to make sure that we inherit those promises. Don't be lazy. Don't, be, don't lack patience. Be patient in what God is doing. I was going to go to verse 20, and then we'll finish. When God made this promise to Abraham, there was no one greater for him to swear by. So he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, And the oath confirms what is said and and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He's become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Isn't that powerful? He's gone ahead of us through the curtain, been to the sanctuary. And this is something that's our inheritance that God's given us tonight for us to walk in. And tonight, I really believe God wants to break something spiritually over us. Can the musicians come? Is that right, Clarence? Um, can the musicians come up, please? As we go into a time of worship, don't be passive, okay? This is not a moment to switch off and just start singing songs now. Because anybody can sing songs, okay? We're not here just to sing songs. We're here to take ground in the Spirit. And by worshiping God, we are doing that. And as if God has put His finger on something in your life... Sorry, the kids are supposed to have gone through. Um, um, if God's put his finger on something in your life tonight, please grab hold of it and, and approach the throne room of grace tonight. Say, Lord, I want to change and, be, and experience the power of God in my life tonight to change me to become more like you, to reflect you the way you want me to be. Okay, shall we do that? Come on. Let's be aggressive in the spirit, folks. Be aggressive in the spirit. There's a lot at stake. The lives are at stake. Your lives and many others for what God wants to do.